Hello, and welcome to Dialed In, a podcast by Callbox. My name's Corey Johnson. Today, I'm very excited. Today, my guest is Bill Newman. Bill is the CEO of Group Dentistry Now. Bill has over 15 years of experience in all facets of the dental industry. He's a DSO consultant, CEO, and partner at Group Dentistry Now and Join DSO, and he's a partner in an M&A firm, Connect the Dents. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Corey. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us. My goal today is to use you to help draw a picture of the, the dental landscape for our viewers. Um, I think probably a, a good place to get started is a little bit of, about your background. Um, can you tell me how'd you get your start and, and what attracted you to, to dental publishing in the field of dentistry? Yeah, so um, everything was uh, accidental, <laughs> uh, not by design, but I, I have a, a degree in financial management and also uh, spent some time in uh, B2B sales and realized that uh, while understanding accounting and, and finance is important, uh, wasn't really uh, something I was interested in. So, um, but I did enjoy working with people, did B2B. And then when I was looking for a change, I looked in the uh, pharmaceutical and, and medical space and just somehow uh, found it by a really dumb luck, uh, got involved in, in dentistry and, and ended up working for a dental manufacturer uh, back in 2003, uh, was a sales rep there for a while in the Philadelphia, New York uh, market, and then um, moved up the ladder uh, as a sales trainer and then a regional manager for the organization. And, and when I say uh, everything happened by accident, um, you talked about dental uh, or asked me about how I got into dental publishing. Uh, I started a, a website called dentalsalespro.com, and uh, it was really a, a way to have manufacturers and distributors connect online, uh, share ideas, because there was a, a gap in, in the connection between the two manufacturers and distributors. And what happened was I created this website, which was a networking um, opportunity for these um, people in the industry. And then a, de a medical publisher came to me and liked what I was doing and, and had a couple of magazines in dentistry and wanted a, a digital platform. So I didn't know it was publishing uh, because it was online and online and I was just putting people together. Uh, but apparently that's what I was doing. So that's how I got into dental publishing. The medical uh, company asked me to come, come aboard and help run their dental division. And then what I saw was a need for our advertisers at the time. This is back in 2011, 2012, to try and understand at the time they weren't called DSOs. They were called group practices. DSO didn't exist, that term. So uh, advertisers were trying to uh, reach these group practices, these DSOs, and didn't really have a way to do that. So we created a, a print publication uh, to help advertisers, uh, manufacturers, distributors, uh, people providing services to large groups uh, reach the, the space. So that's, that's really how I got into publishing. Good deal. Um, one, one word that you said during that was collaboration. I'm, I'm, as I'm getting more versed in the dental space, it's, it's fun to see how, how much collaboration there is from, from your vendors and your partners to the different groups. Um, it seems like everybody's really open to sharing, which has been, which has been really cool. Um, 
Can you talk to me more about the the mission and the purpose of of group dentistry now and and join DSO? Sure. So yeah, I, I'm fortunate to be a part of uh, the organization Group Dentistry Now and, and join DSO. And there are some people uh, who blazed the trail uh, before uh, I came aboard and uh, have really done a great job. The, the idea with Group Dentistry Now is really to um, provide education and information for for anyone uh, looking to find out what a DSO is or what a group practice is and what I mean by that when I say anyone it, we, we have all all types of people that visit the website uh, from private equity looking to get a better understanding of the dental industry and the space to uh, solo practitioners that are looking to sell their practices to a DSO possibly uh, to career seekers, whether they be clinical dentists, hygienists, assistants, uh, or non-clinical, looking to uh, find opportunities at different DSOs, or maybe figure out whether that might be a, a, a business platform that they'd even want to work for. Uh, and then advertisers, people, um, or, or what the ADSO calls industry partners, right? People that uh, are looking to provide services, whether it's products or um, services to to DSOs and group practices. So a little bit of everybody comes to the website, and and then from there, there's all sorts of needs. You know, whether it's you know, depending on who the the people are. So that's that's really what the the idea is to to create a lot of really good content uh, and be very very uh, methodical and consistent about what we publish, and then from there. We have all sorts of interesting people that, that reach out to us for different needs. No, that's that's awesome. I know, I know. As we're as we're involved too, it's there's a ton of good content on there. One one thing that you had said earlier was that historically, I guess when you started in dental, we called them group practices, and and now we call them DSOs. Is there a difference there? Is it is it just a legal term? Well, you know, uh, this is something that I thought I had a pretty good handle on. And then the more you talk to people, the more it seems to change. So it's it's like the industry is consolidating and evolving. I think the terminology is is, is changing a little bit. So I'll do my best here. <laughs> but somebody is, I, I think there's probably, uh, there's so many different variations depending on who you talk to. Uh, I, I always kind of looked at a group practice as relatively smaller. Um, so it, den, dentist owned and dentist run uh, and, and probably uh, in, in a single state. Uh, and, and I think to, to a degree, so they're operating in a, a single state, could be multi-locations, but in one state, uh, could be one location with, that, that was, is large, so that has multiple dentists, uh, could, could be, you know, four or five dentists in one really large location that could be a group practice as well um and then the dso's you know and and i know you had brian kaleo on your uh, earlier podcast and, and brian does a great job of explaining you know the the legal definition of a dso and really kind of how that all came about you know the fact that uh setting up a dso structure legally uh really gives uh, non-dentists the opportunity to participate in in uh, ownership where they can't at that practice level, but what I find is when I when I talk to um, different people, I can talk to dentists that have maybe two locations, and they're dentist owned, and there's no legal DSO structure, but they still say we have a DSO. 
So, okay, so that's a little bit different. Uh, that's relatively new. And I think it's because the terminology is starting to be adopted. People are more comfortable with that. And then I'll talk to large groups that have 30 locations and they'll say, oh, no, 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 we're not a DSO, we're a group practice. So I think it's um, it's one of these things that's that's changing a little bit and, and you really have to um, understand that everybody has a different definition for it. But um, so it's a little confusing. <laughs> yeah, it it <laughs> it really is where the little guys want to be a DSO and maybe the big guys who technically are a DSO don't necessarily want to be. Um, I think that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. <laughs> zoom. So zoom that out a little bit more for me. So you had mentioned that that you might have PE groups come into your site to learn, you know, maybe even just get their feet wet about about dental. Um, what's the opportunity look like now, you know, in the current market for these groups? And and why is the world of dental so appealing all of a sudden? Yeah, so uh, as far as emerging groups go, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it uh, with your last question or addressed that is you've got uh, these smaller two, three, four practice locations, whether they call themselves DSOs or group practices, but they're doctor-owned, doctor-led. The opportunities, I think, are are tremendous uh, for for these smaller emerging groups. Because if you think about how things have really started to change, um, there, four or five or six years ago, there were there were very few trailblazers, right? So uh, if I was starting up a group practice and I was a dentist and maybe I added two or three locations and then I got to a point where I'm like, boy, this growth, I'm starting to have issues. I really couldn't look to anybody else to assist. There just wasn't that the level of collaboration, let's say. There, there weren't any meetings, any conferences, or that there were, there were very few. You know, yes, there were the big players, there were the Heartlands and the Aspens, but as far as trying to glean information from them, it was probably a little more difficult. Now there are um, opportunities for these emerging groups to uh, go to co- different conferences and join uh, mastermind groups like the Dentist Entrepreneur Organization or go to uh, Dental Group Evolution and really meet up with peers that are doing the same types of things they're doing. They have three locations or maybe they're two steps ahead and they have 10 locations and they can work together to kind of uh, learn from some of the mistakes. So I, I think the opportunities are tremendous. And then getting back to you ask, uh, talking a little bit about PE. Um, yeah, so there are, there are funding opportunities. They can find uh, private equity uh, partners to help them not only um, finance their growth, but then also help the, help these emerging groups that may be doctor-led uh, find uh, business leaders that, that the uh, PE has access to that they can actually partner with that group to help them, whether it's operations or finance or whatever that need is, they can take somebody that has that uh, business experience and and plant them at that DSO level uh, and actually help them create the DSO if they really are a group practice and need that legal DSO uh, created. So there's there's a lot of opportunity. And then, then of course, I think with some of the technologies that exist nowadays, um, there are things that can be done um, to really help these, these emerging groups scale a lot quicker, more efficiently, provide better patient care, better customer experiences. There's, there's, there's a lot that's, that's happening now that I think sometimes there's too much, right? So they don't know where to go. And that's why I think having uh, these different opportunities, whether it's the conferences or whether it's um, 
partnering with PE or even finding a, a bank that can help lend lend to them or somebody who has business expertise. Um, they, they, there's there's opportunity that just didn't exist. Hmm. Well, I mean, it can't all be it can't be that easy, right? It's not it's not all roses. So, what are what are the biggest challenges that you're seeing? Um, I mean, let's start at the at the solo practice level. Yeah. So at the solo practice level, I think one of the concerns that that I would so if if you're a solo practitioner that's listening to this, I think one thing you need to do is realize that your your practice, whether you're going to get involved with a DSO or not, I think you have to make sure that that your practice is looks looks appealing from a transition standpoint. So what I mean, even if you're a young dentist um, and you're looking to to scale and, and grow and start your own group practice or DSO, um, you, it has to be built to last. Um, and, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of competition. If you're a dentist that's looking to sell in four or five, uh, six years, uh, your practice better be uh, top notch because if it isn't, uh, and, and a DSO most likely isn't going to buy you uh, because they're they have an opportunity, right? They can acquire a practice in an area, uh, or they can uh, do a de novo, right? They can they can build their a practice from the ground up. And so what's happening is there's competition for really quality existing practices. These practices that look great, that use the best technology, that are updated, that are running efficiently, um, you know, technologies are great. Uh, they are coveted. Uh, the ones that aren't, that have the paneling from the 1980s and the shag carpets and have 20-year-old chairs are probably not worth anything. And so the, the money that's being saved, um, you know, uh, I think the dentists that are, that are looking to sell, DSO is going to look at you and go, no, thanks, we're going to pass. And if there's nothing in a, in a, even if the location is great, they most likely will go down the street and build their own. And then you're really in trouble because then you're going to have competition and your practice is not going to have any value. So I think that's something a solo practitioner is really going to have to look at and say, okay, you know, what, am, what, what does my practice look like now, regardless of what I want to do with it right now? I need to prepare for the future. And whether that future is I want to start my own DSO or whether I want to partner with maybe some other dentists in the area to create a group practice, or whether I want to sell to a DSO, it needs to be up to date in, in not just looks, but in in the in the technologies that you use, creating that uh, patient experience. Uh, you you can't um, you can't be a, an old fashioned uh, dental practice anymore. You can't you can't be that old fashioned that old fashioned solo practitioner, regardless of the quality of care. Sure. And and taking an inward look like that is hard for everybody, especially, you know, somebody that's built a business from the ground up and is established and, you know, maybe been doing it for, for 20, 30 years. Um, man, so for somebody who's in a spot like that, what, what sort of advice do you have? That seems like a really hard place to be. So somebody that hasn't updated their practice and is, is that the question? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you still have time <laughs> and it doesn't have to cost uh, a fortune. I mean, I, I think what, what you probably need to look at, uh, pra talk to a practice management consultant and um, you know, t take a look. And, and uh, we talked about some of the conferences. I think we'll talk about that later on in this podcast. But there are so many opportunities to uh, update your practice, uh, make it uh, prepare it for sale or prepare it for 
what I would call, you know, dentistry 2.0 or maybe 3.0, uh, where you're going to need to be able to compete against, you know, DSOs and groups and, and, and quite frankly, solo practitioners that, that are doing things the right way, right? They're creating that great patient experience. They're open, you know, five days a week, six days a week. You know, that, that would be the easiest thing to do, right? Not change anything, but go from working three and a half days a week to having extended hours, that might be the easiest thing to do. And then as you start to generate more, uh, you know, you get more patience because you have more hours, uh, then you can start to improve your your practice uh, from the technology and uh, appearance standpoint and providing providing a better patient experience. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, so to, to sum that up, just be ready, it sounds like, because this is, it's not coming. It's, it's already here. It's already here, and, and and if it hasn't come to your your, your town, uh, it it will uh, shortly. I mean, it's you know, there's a lot of there are rumblings out there with the solo practitioners, um, and they're they're gonna there's still a very negative spin on you know why DSOs and and group practices are are bad, right? Bad for the industry, bad for patient care. I, I don't agree with that. I think a lot of it is um, some of it's denial. Uh, I think there are good and bad in everything. There are really, really great DSOs. Um, there are, and I'd say most of them are, right? And I would say the same for solo practitioners, but there, you know, there are the bad actors on both sides and, and th those are what we hear about. So to, for a solo practitioner to go, well, gosh, you know, I, I, we don't like them. So therefore they, they can't exist and they can't thrive. Well, they're thriving. And I, I don't think there's any turning back. So you don't have to necessarily join a DSO. I don't think, I think solo practitioners and, and groups, DSOs, whatever you want to call them, can still um, operate um, next door to each other and both be very, very successful. But it, you, you can't just um, continue to do the things that you've done in the past. Like I said, three and a, having banker hours, right, which don't exist anymore. <laughs> but three three days a week, three and a half days a week, and and uh, down the road you've got uh, a DSO open six days a week, and is has knows how to market and and has the uh, latest and greatest technologies. Uh, you just can't do that anymore. No, that's that's great. And that, yeah. That that in itself, I think, is what is what patients are looking for today. What um what advice or words of wisdom or challenges are you seeing for the emerging DSO that, you know, two, three, four group practice up to, you know, a dozen, a handful of practices? Yeah, so, I mean, they're all they're all different types of challenges, but the one that seems to, to bubble up to the, the surface quite a bit is that they are. Uh, these the dentist run, dentist owned group practice DSO, whatever they want to call themselves, that has three locations and is doing really, really well. And maybe they're making X amount of dollars a year. Uh, they grow to from three to six locations, and that the the cost of doing that, and a lot of this is because of you know the access to to lending to funding from a traditional lenders, the banks. Uh, they, they realize that at six locations, they're making as much as they did at three locations, maybe even less, and they're working a heck of a lot harder. So you see, and th this could be five locations to 10 locations. It really varies. Uh, but the point is you see that there's a certain, they get to a certain point where they, they really can't grow um, 
efficiently or effectively on their own. Uh, and some buck that trend, but we you hear you hear about growing pains, and that's where I think um, they need uh, the the dentists need to bring in outside assistance, and, and that doesn't mean uh, PE necessarily, but they need to find somebody that can help them run the business, whether it's on the you know a CFO or whether it's a COO or a, a CEO. You know that, and it's in different different. Um, challenges there, different different needs, depending on who, uh, you know, whether it's on the finance side or, or um, on the operations side or a CEO. But there is going to be a point where they're going to need to bring in outside non-clinical uh, assistance. And so that's, that's the biggest struggle, is kind of letting go and realizing they need to have somebody else help them run the business. Sure. And one thing that you mentioned earlier that's that's a help that that seems like it's it's pretty new is a lot of these new technologies out there. What what sort of trends and changes have you seen entering the dental space over over your career? Yeah, uh, well, gosh, you know, I, uh, I th- probably the the number one thing that I've seen. Uh, I used to sell impression material, right? So if anybody's ever had an impression before, it's not a pleasant experience. So. Uh, I know that two of the largest DSOs out there, uh, Aspen and Heartland, both uh, have uh, purchased uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of these intraoral digital scanners. So now, you know, the assistant or the dentist can take a digital scan of your teeth and no impression material needed. So those types of things, I think, are really interesting. I mean, I think those those technologies, we talk about patient experience. I mean, that's certainly pleasant of anybody that's had an impression taken. Most people don't like that. So uh, that, that will be the number one thing. And that's still coming. I would say that, that, that the, the cost of that is high initially. But um, from a standpoint of, of what your patients want and what, what the labs will want, uh, it would be so intraoral digital scanning being the number one thing that I think is really changing things. I think of the adoption of um, clear aligners in the, the general practices that, uh, you know, whether it's Align or some of the other clear aligner uh, companies out there, uh, clear aligners are really uh, kind of interesting and in how that can really help uh, drive revenue in, with uh, GPs. Uh, as far as some other things, the scalable practice management software that exists where a lot of the practice management software existed on a disk and you could use it for one location. But then when you had two locations, uh, it was it was an issue. So uh, there are several companies out there that have these scalable systems, which are pretty cool. Uh, You know, I've seen robotics being used very limited, but uh, patient acquisition software. There's all sorts of really, really interesting things. Uh, I think that there's, you know, you know, obviously, which which you have to offer a call box which is um, we talk about the patient experience and we talk about setting appointments, you know, how, how, how are um, the phone calls handled, right? I think that, that those types of softwares just make, again, patient experience, make, create those efficiencies. Those are the types of things that are just going to really drive um, not just revenue, but just to drive um, more patients to uh, practices, whether they're solo or whether they're DSOs that, that accept these and are integrating these types of technologies into their uh, into their practice or practices. That's, I mean, that's incredible. You talked on technologies from all the way to the the back, all the way up to the front. It just it it blows my mind to think that 
that you'd want to tackle a, a space like this without some sort of operational or or business partner when you've got you know dozens and and probably even hundreds of, of technologies out there. Right. How do you choose? Exactly right. What yeah. what's first, and and then yeah, uh, what makes sense, and how can you as a clinician um, you know, do all this on your own without some type of assistance? Man, that's. It's 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 overwhelming the amount of stuff that that a, that a doctor would have to choose between. Um, what, so one thing that we're seeing, and, and you you spoke to efficiencies, we're seeing that call centers are becoming popular. What what advantages and, and disadvantages have have you seen from from groups putting these in place? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the the, the biggest advantage of, of a call center, and you know, it's inter- really interesting, is that it's not just the the groups that are doing this. You know, there are some organizations out there that that provide. Um, I would say DSO-like services to solo practitioners. So if I was a solo practitioner, I could um, go to one of these uh, DSO-like companies and say, hey, I'd, I'd love uh, a call center, right? I'd love to, I, I don't really want my front desk person answering calls anymore. I'd rather them uh, be checking patients in, maybe talking about uh, patient treatment options, spending uh, time or what maybe even insurance processing, who knows, but they, they don't necessarily want them uh, handling calls. So a solo practitioner can go to one of these uh, companies and say, hey, I'd love to use your call center. So I think we see that on uh, that scale, the solo practitioners can use that and kind of free up that time of that front desk person, office administrator, treatment coordinator, whatever you want to call them, to do other things that are that are more are, are, are occurring in the practice at that time versus scheduling and, and handling things on the phone. So that that's why I think call centers um, really are going to be the future for not just um, DSOs, but uh, for for the solo practitioner, Bill, I we we saw each other in in Scottsdale last week at the Dental Group Evolution Conference. Um, I know you're really active in the circuit and an advisor with with the ADSO. Can can you talk a little bit more about the importance of these conferences for dentists? I know you spoke about collaboration earlier. Yeah, so there, there, there's a lot of benefits to, to going to these conferences, and I realize that the dental industry as a whole is um, over-conferenced. So, uh, I mean, you could you theoretically could go to a conference just about every week uh, and never get any work done, right? So, <laughs> so pick and choose. I, you know, I I think that uh, whether you're a I think if you're a solo practitioner. Uh, or, or even a, a dentist that maybe has two locations all the way up to the large DSO, there are probably a dozen of these group practice. So we call it, you know, you have your emerging groups, uh, so your emerging group conferences, uh, Dental Group Evolution being one, the one that we, were, we attended last week in Scottsdale. Um, there are a lot of these emerging group, DEO, I mentioned them earlier, the Dentist Entrepreneur Organization, they have these emerging group conferences. Uh, and then ADSO, which is the Association for Dental Support Organizations, they have a, a large conference which has the elites, the large uh, DSOs, all the way down to the emerging groups. I think the real benefit is uh, we talked about collaboration, but you know the education component is is really uh, incredible. I mean, some of the speakers to to learn what they've done, it's inspiring. You know, you can you can glean a lot of really good information. Uh, it's kind of tips and tricks on on what they've uh, done well, learn from their mistakes, 
Um, I look at the networking opportunities, and if you're uh, an emerging group, uh, even if you're an established group, just the connections that you can make are are incredible. You know, whether you're looking to maybe sell your group at some point, or um, you know, there are these new, uh, relatively new. Uh, joint ventures where a, a large DSO will will actually act as a private equity investor in a small group and help fund them. So the smaller group can kind of retain their culture, right? They don't change, but and yet they're not selling off to a PE. So those opportunities, they seem to, to kind of be established at these conferences. I don't even see solo practitioners. It would be good uh, just to, to learn. I always say, if you, even if you don't like groups, if you're totally against them, you're never going to join one, probably good to sit in on one of these conferences and find out what they're doing because you can take some, some glean some information, take some tips and tricks, and probably expand your solo practice and, and do better. Yeah, and no, one, no one's going to you know, shun the solo practitioner when they when they show up at one of these, in my experience, everybody's always super, super open and, and willing to connect. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. No matter who you are. Yeah, there are plenty of solo practitioners at these events. Yeah. What uh, what advice do you have on staying connected after a show? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, well, I think, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I think we, you can stay connected through uh, group dentistry now and, and stay in touch with the information that, that's, that we provide. Um, and, and, you know, people like yourself that are creating this podcast series, there are several other podcast series out there. Um, there are some Facebook groups that, that really cater to emerging groups and, and DSOs. Those are always interesting. There, uh, even up to like maybe two or three years ago, there really wasn't a lot of content out there. So, you know, what you got at the meeting, uh, these different conferences was was pretty much what you had until the next conference. And now I would say there's a lot of information. So you can stay pretty much uh, in front of your uh, computer. You can use uh, your search engine and, and find a lot of good information out there and, and stay, stay um, up to date on what's going on uh, in the dental space. And like I said, learn from the groups. Uh, whether you believe in the model or not, um, you can certainly take their best practices and and scale them down for a solo or a single practice. That's awesome, man. The, the internet is great. Whatever your medium, we've got a we've got a solution for you. Yes, um, Bill, we're wrapping up here. Talk about you have any goals coming up for 2019, personally or for uh, for for the group? Yeah. So yeah, every we we have some we have some goals. Um, uh, we had a great year last year. I mean, 2018 for me personally. Uh, you know, I, I, I made a couple of changes uh, with what I was doing. I, I left uh, one publication that I was at and started with uh, Group Tennistry now as their uh, CEO. Um, but yeah, as far as 2019, what we did, uh, we, we created a survey for our, our readers, the people that, that read uh, Group Tennistry now, and kind of wanted to, you know, what we were doing right, what we were doing wrong, and, and try, try to learn from that. And so we're going to start to do uh, some podcasts as well. So Callbox is ahead of us there. But um, we're going to be doing video and audio podcasts and creating some uh, surveys and uh, taking a look at the data that we have and really trying to learn from, from that. So um, we just really want uh, to give the audience uh, content that makes sense. So to help them either grow their emerging group or to find out what 
the industry as a whole is doing and consume it any way they want, whether it's um, in the written word, whether it's video, whether it's audio, we're going to be able to provide that uh, to our audience in uh, 2019. And, um, you know, one thing that we're doing as well is really focused on uh, educating dental students, residents on the model itself. So we're, uh, we've actually had a couple of um, dental uh, schools reach out to us to ask us to uh, work with them almost as a, I kind of look at it as Switzerland, right? So we don't represent any one DSO, but we talk a little bit about the model, you know, the good and the bad of the model, and then really um, try to let dental students know that there's an opportunity, whether they want to take advantage of it or not. Uh, and, and, and all the DSO models are different. So that's the other thing that I think um, as younger dentists graduating school kind of look to the model and maybe know two or three of the, the large DSOs, but um, may not understand that they could have uh, equity opportunity within a uh, a DSO. You know, that might be foreign to them. They may say, well, I'm going to go work for a DSO. But do they know that maybe they can own that practice or maybe a smaller group that they go work for? Maybe they could have equity in the entire DSO. So that may be appealing. So we're going to do a, a really, uh, we're going to focus on educating the uh, younger dentists on the the model and, and help them kind of navigate uh, their the scene as they graduate and kind of move on from the dental school setting or a residency setting to private practice. So that, that'll be something that we're going to work at. And then the other thing is to really take a look from a global perspective and look at how um, the DSO model is affecting, ha, is, has penetrated and is affecting uh, other countries. We're going to spend, spend some time in, in Canada towards the end of the year um, doing a couple um, lectures there on um, what, uh, what's happening in the Canadian world of DSOs. Wow, that is incredible. I, I, love, I love your content, but it's really cool to hear that we're going to have one more content in different channels for it sounds like all sorts of different levels with, within the, the dental space. So that's, that's really exciting to hear. Yeah, there's um, a lot going on. Yeah. So, Bill, the, the website is, is groupdentistrynow.com. But if any of our listeners have questions or would like to speak with you further, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Sure. So uh, you're right, groupdentistrynow.com. And then we also have a sister website, joindso.com. And that really would be for the dental students or the dentists looking to sell their practice. Uh, so we have those two websites and they can just reach me at info at groupdentistrynow.com. And I will get, if they send an email there, it will come to me eventually. So that would be great. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, guys, get, get connected. Any, uh, any final thoughts, Bill, before we, before we hang up? I think 2019 is going to be a, a really interesting year for the dental industry as a whole and for DSOs and technology. So, uh, you know, I think uh, companies like Callbox and what you're doing, I think you're going to start to see um, that, that dentists and, and non-dentists, right, the business owners of, of some of these DSOs and these emerging groups are going to start to adopt these types of technologies. And as the industry consolidates, we're all still learning, right? I, I think one of the challenges is that as, a, as DSOs scale, as emerging groups scale, they don't always know what they need, right? And the technologies really are so new that they're evolving. So I think just 2019 is going to be the year for um, technologies to maybe 
become a little bit more identifiable, understand what they are, understand what AI is and how it can help in a dental practice. Uh, and, and so I, I'm excited about that. I think that it, it's, uh, it could be a scary proposition for some, but um, you know, having people in place that, that understand that are uh, maybe a little bit more educated on technologies and, and how to integrate them into practices I think technology and and uh, more consolidation is is in store in 2019. Man, well, you said it before, but it it, it still rings true. Be ready because the sounds like the future is here. Yes. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining us. This is Corey from Callbox, and and you just listened to Dialed In. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Callbox Dialed In. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on future episodes, subscribe directly or on your favorite podcast app. Callbox is a comprehensive tool used by more than 5,000 dental practices and DSOs to optimize phone handling processes, increase appointments, and improve caller experience by providing insight into every patient phone call. To learn more, visit us at callbox.com dental.